0: for listening to nyc you can catch us on anchor apple spotify and other streaming platforms be sure to check our social media page on twitter and facebook and like always we appreciate our guests family friends and you the listeners Okay, I'm very excited about my next guest, a good friend of mine from New York City. Um, he is a sports uh, producer, he editor, director. He has worked for great companies with its MSG, MBA, and uh, I playfully uh tease him about having 15 jobs and uh, any fans out there have been living color please check them out it's a great skit and it's a, a skit that we all uh love because it's near and dear to our hearts because somewhere along the lines we've known someone that's had the 10 12 15 jobs just hustling out there jules uh thanks for being with me man how are you hey man <laughs> yo man you got 15 hey, jobs you hey. only got one job you only got one job a <laughs> carpenter oh, stylist, the ice cream man all right i see where this oh, is going <laughs> no, man, thank, thank uh,
1: you so much man for inviting me on the show brother how are you
0: I'm good. Listen, uh, first and foremost, before we get into our NBA talk, um, how's the family? How's the little one? How's the wife? Uh, last time I saw you, we were hanging out in a in a beach in a beautiful Puerto Rico, uh, enjoying some cool beverages and snacks and, and just watching the sights and the water crashing. Um, just always a great time. How's the family?
1: Family yeah, family's great, man. Um, the little one just turned six. Oh, my Lord. She's, uh, Yeah, I I mean, you saw I guess she was, what, four when you saw her, I believe? Six years old, bossing me around, as she should be. Yes, Um, get used to it. She's she's doing great. We're just like anybody else in New York City or any place else in the country, I imagine. We're uh, just trying to figure out what school is going to look like uh, come September when school starts here in New York City. And uh, it's concerning, to say the least. But... You know, we'll find a way to make it work, whether she's at school or we decide to keep her home.
0: We're going to make it work. It's absolutely amazing. Um, Just just to think about where New York was just a few months ago, the epicenter of this pandemic and. I mean, the, the images, the stories, I, I was tuned on to the TV and checking Twitter and social media and just seeing how our family and friends were doing there. And, and you see that they were doing a makeshift, uh, you know, things in Central Park to, if, with people dying. And it's just absolutely amazing to me that New York City has recovered and actually ahead of most of the country as far as where their next phases are and how they recovered. Uh, real quick, why do you think that has turned around. Was it just because everybody got scared shitless and realized that this pandemic was for real?
1: Um, I think at some point we realized it was real. Uh, Look, like New Yorkers, we've, we're always on high alert, right? Unfortunately, that's kind of yep. the state that we live in. We've always just been alert in general. As being New York, is a city that never sleeps. If you're from Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, you know, you're just always alert. Heads up, ears and eyes open um as you know it pertains to the pandemic i think we've realized that this isn't a game it's not to be played with and we do what we normally do for the most part we all buckle down we listen to facts and we get with the program and do what we got to do you know hustlers hustle that's what had to happen uh that's not to say that there haven't been people who are slacking. There's not to say we haven't had folks who have been really irresponsible with all of this, but by and large, we handled our handles. What really gets me well is the fact that so many other regions in this country had probably a three, four month head start. They got to see what we went through and what we're doing and they just didn't pay attention. And now you look at places like Florida, for example, or Georgia, uh, Alabama, I believe. 500, over
0: five hundred cases since they opened up the university. Yep.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Alabama, is Alabama State was, well, I forget which one, but that said, university has more daily COVID cases than the country of Canada.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, mean, the Canadians wouldn't want us talking about them because they don't want to be associated with us. They've actually got it down pretty right. But, uh, you know, with uh, it, it is what it is. Listen, you know, Jules, you know, we, we spoke the other day and we were hoping to do an NBA show and we're really excited, right? I mean... We we finally got NBA basketball going on, and first I was skeptical, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. When they first mentioned that they were going to play in a bubble, and I said, "All right, man, you know they're going to put all of these millionaire uh, basketball players together, and they're going to be in a the bubble. They they're not going to be able to go to Disney World. They're going to be away from their families. If one of them gets sick, they all get sick. I don't understand how this is going to work, but." Apparently they were making it work, and uh, just real quick, you know, what are your thoughts when you first heard about the bubble and how they transitioned and did such a great job um, up to this date?
1: Um, I'm kind of in a unique position to speak about it because um, I'm kind of part of the testing protocol, also, although being here in New York, so kind of have a bit of an insider's point of view on this. Yep. First, let's start when I heard about the bubble. I, I was skeptical. I didn't think it was going to work. You know, people are going to sneak in, sneak out. You know, who's really going to stay away from their families for so long? I I thought, no, no way. But it's like, wow, we're really going through with this. This is great. This is awesome. We're going to have basketball back. You know, some people can get back to work. Awesome. Then it hit the fan with Florida, with Orlando. Casey's just going through the roof. Remember, <laughs> that's like. How are they going to bring – now it's like we're still committed to Orlando, to Florida with all of these cases, and we're talking about NBA, WNBA, MLS. Like I understand that Disney has a ridiculous amount of land, and of course they have ESPN, so they're some really stakeholders in all of this. I just didn't see how it could happen. We were hearing reports of uh, TSA agents in the airports Uh, testing positive for COVID. It's just, it was insane. Yet somehow with an excellent testing strategy, right? I mean, players are getting, well, first let's just quickly talk about the test. It wasn't, they weren't going through the invasive tests unless necessary. So it's a nose swab, swirl around your nose for about 10 seconds each way, each nose, just a little bit uncomfortable, not bad. And you can get results quickly. And that's what made it work, being able to get results in half an hour, 45 minutes, you know, tops.
0: That, that That's absolutely amazing. Um, so we, we've seen that this has worked. You know we're all excited. We've seen some great games, um, some some fantastic games, and what we incredible, uh, talented individuals. Whether we're watching uh, the Utah Jazz and the and the Denver Nuggets, and Murray, and um, and uh, oh my God, what's his name? Jesus Luca. Is- Luca. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, they putting up 50, putting up triple doubles. you know, numbers that we haven't seen since uh, Kareem or I guess Luau Sindor, if we're going back where at the appropriate time, um, just really great basketball. A concern for fans was, you know, maybe we're not going to see competitive basketball. And I never thought that way. I was like, Listen, these guys are ultra competitive. And if I can go down to the gym and and play hard with a bunch of 45-year-olds, I'm I'm not going to say my age here, right? But a bunch of 45-year-olds and we're running up and down and we're playing hard and we're sweating and we're just doing it for fun. In our regular lives, what do you think that these ultra-competitive athletes are going to do when they go down there? And they're going to play hard. And that's exactly the type of basketball that we saw. What do you think about the type of basketball that was on display in some of these performances, you know, like including Donovan Mitchell and, and Luca and Jamal Murray, that we, uh, that we were able to witness up to this point?
1: It's actually been incredible basketball. If you can get past the altered viewing experience— Right, with like the digital fans, all that, we've seen some great basketball. The, the interesting thing is, when you get guys in the gym, as you're saying, they're just going to ball. There's no home court advantage. It's just a bunch of guys in the YMC gym, and nobody thinks that they can be checked. Right. So, in the beginning, you had guys like TJ Warren. What did he have? Like back to back 50 point games, and then dropped 40 another night. He was in running for being the bubble MVP.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. caught. His confidence was all the way high and rightfully so because we're not dealing with any distractions, not on the road, nothing. We're just here to play ball. You can't guard me. Period. End of story. We've seen what Dame Dollar, seen what Dame Lillard did. He put his team on his back, literally, and just shot lights out. 60 points here in the Incredible basketball. And with anything else now, we're seeing the cream is starting to rise towards the top. Yeah. Right. It's like, all right, cool. Uh, LeBron's engaged. AD is engaged right now. Paul George woke up. He's engaged. So we're starting to see like the superstars be superstars right now. And it's I love it. We're getting great basketball and not for nothing. We're getting basketball at 4 p.m. Yes. We, I mean, it, at one o'clock for there.
0: us. I, I can have my lunch and enjoy some basketball like I love it. Man. I love it. You know, it's um everything was going smoothly, excited about the heat games, uh, excited, excited about all the games, really um up to this point and then today uh, it's August 26 uh, the evening of uh, August 26 and earlier today we were supposed to get uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic we were supposed to get the Thunder and Rockets that are, are going head to head in really a competitive tough uh, series they're at 2-2 right now and then we were supposed to finish off with the Lakers and Blazers where the Lakers pretty much finishing off the Blazers especially, especially since Collins is done for the season and uh, we know that Damian Lillard is having some issues uh, with his knee and his uh, and his finger, so we just kind of thought that all right, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get ready for some basketball. And right before the Milwaukee Bucks uh, Orlando Magic game, the Milwaukee Bucks decided not to play in this game. Um, what was your thoughts when you first heard about the Bucks not playing in this game?
1: Um, I was surprised and shocked because we never. Seen a move like this by any professional It's not in my lifetime. Just for a bit of context, uh, Milwaukee is in Wisconsin. And for those who have been living under a rock or in denial, uh, two days ago, a uh, gentleman by the name of uh, James Blake.
0: Uh, Jacob. By...
1: Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake. Jacob yep. Blake, pardon me. James Blake's tennis player, Jacob Blake. Yep. Uh, was shot in the neck seven times by uh, Kenosha police, which is a uh, city town in Wisconsin. Um, and that seemed to be the, the, the trigger point for, pardon my uh, play on words here, but that seemed to be the trigger point for the Bucks to say, you know what, we're not playing. Now we've heard the Celtics were publicly talking about uh, boycotting, now ah, we may not play whatever ba, 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 ba. uh the bucks players decided you know what this isn't happening and i was surprised shocked honestly but uh i applaud them i applaud these young men and women for taking such a stance here because once you affect the money you know you've got people's attentions, and you can affect some sort of change here
0: Okay, so let me just bring it back uh, before today. Um, George Hill, uh, I believe it was yesterday, was very upset. And and for those that don't know, George Hill is a basketball player on the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and I'm going to read a quote from him. He said, we can't do anything. He said this on Monday. First of all, we shouldn't have even come to this damn place. To be honest, I think coming here just took all the focal points off what the issues are. And that was Monday. So you can tell that things were already brewing and there was probably certain conversations that were happening. And it's um, and all of this kind of came to a head today. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned about the Celtics, because it was the Boston Celtics, and it was also the Toronto Raptors that were deciding whether they were going to play. And they're supposed to play tomorrow, Thursday, today's Wednesday night. So by by the time you listen to the show, they're supposed to play today. And Van Fleet, had been having some issues. Now, for those that are not aware of what has happened to uh, Van Fleet, Fred Van Fleet, he's the, the, the guard on the Toronto Raptors, his father was murdered when he was five years old, and he was sitting in the car when his father was murdered. And this became a trigger because for those that know the, the story of Jacob Blake, what happened was his three kids were in the back seat. In fact, one of those kids, it was their birthday. When his father was shot and this triggered uh, Fred Van Fleet to no end. And they said he's been struggling and having issues. So even before today with the Bucks, and then eventually the rest of the games, the Thunder Rockets, Lakers and Blazers, they all postponed those games. They were already struggling. So I can imagine a player like Van Fleet reliving this and saying, I don't want to be here. I want to go home to my family and that's just uh it's just one of the elements that everyone is dealing with you know and how it affects everybody differently just hearing the news uh of the shooting once again another black person shot in america by the police and um and it's a just a difficult situation
1: well i did i when uh for Fred, for Van Fleet, I did not realize that he was in the car when that happened. As a parent, right, it strikes just doubly as hard because we, you know you're the first protector. You know, you just you think about it at all costs to protect your kids.
0: The Jules, you're 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 black in America, and you have a kid I I mean it's we all have to have these conversations but it's 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 scary especially it's scary. when your kid is going to be a teenager or they're going to be out in the street or whatever the case may be these are things that you're going to have to think about and have to deal with and it is extremely scary and that's what a lot of people just don't understand how this is a trigger for for people in America and how they feel about it
1: it, it, it very much. so. I'm um, moving away from, you know, my daughter, my nephew, my niece and nephew, my nephew starting high school this year. Uh, his mom's Haitian. His dad is Irish. I am um, constantly having conversations with him. He's tall as can be. This kid's damn near six feet tall, just about to start high school. I'm constantly having these conversations with him about, Being aware, being hyper aware of who he's around, what he's doing, how he's going to have to deal with police, because one, uh, I do not feel his father or his mother to a degree are equipped to have those conversations with him. Okay. And I don't think they've had even attempted to have these conversations. And so me as his uncle, I'm like, listen, don't you ever forget your your light is all get out. You're still a black. You're not even seen as a black boy anymore. You're you're seen as a man in this world. You need to act accordingly. He's no, he's young. He still thinks he can pop off at the mouth. (laughs) Uh, He he thinks you know his father. He's just like his father, stubborn, hard headed. Always have to always has to have the last word. And I'm constantly, constantly having these discussions with him. Just trying to. Sometimes leave little seeds. Sometimes build in him that look. You do not get the benefit of any doubt. Correct. Out here in the streets, you have to be perfect just to be average.
0: You're absolutely right. It, it, these are difficult conversations. I have a 21 year old now, um, and he is. You know, I'm Puerto Rican. My wife's Dominican, so he's half Puerto Rican, half Dominican. Um, He is not a dark-skinned Latino man, Uh, but still, we've had these conversations about when you're out, how to address people. Um, If you get pulled over, I said, I've even told him, I said, you get pulled over, your hands do not move from the steering wheel, okay? And if you have a window, you lower the window down. Oh, and you, immediate. You lower your window down. You keep your hands up on the steering wheel where they can see them. And when they ask you for your license and registration, you tell them where you're putting your hands. And because I've done this myself. This is I, I, myself that way I've done this. And I'm pretty sure that you can relate to the training guides to, to survive when you get pulled over.
1: And, I've taken a step further, Will. I yep. get in the car. My wallet's already on the dashboard.
0: There you go. There you it, go. It, it's It's, it's, just, it's, it's not in the pocket. Yeah. It's on the dashboard. But, you know, right these, these are the conversations that we have to have. And, and it's unfortunate. Listen, I have... I'm pretty sure you know people also. I have friends... You know, I've had, you know, a different family members and and, uh, that they're police and they're they're having a hard time understanding all of this because they see things that we don't see and they're exposed to things that we're not exposed to, especially dangers. And they live in fear going to work. And this is not for those people. (laughs) Those great officers out there, you know, this is not an indictment on them. But it's everybody else. And when we get to reform, right? I want reform. We want consequences. We want checks and balances. So when things happen, people and situations are dealt with accordingly, not feeling that no matter what it is that you're fighting an uphill battle in order to have some of your own justice it's it's uh it's mind-boggling and you know it's um it, it is what it is it, man it's tough it,
1: it, yeah it's tough and uh, what also just just not to not to linger on this what also really disturbs me is why from like police unions there is such pushback for simple things like accountability yeah why is there such pushback for us uh, holding you accountable like it it would seem it it seems silly to me yeah right it's like it's like you know on the grand scale you look at the institutionalized racism it's like why is there such pushback for you know for the want for equality we're not asking for more we're not asking we're just asking for we're asking to be able to be as fucked up as you Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, let 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 me be as mediocre as you as you are.
0: Yeah. You know. Go go ahead. (laughs) To to put it more eloquently, right? Uh, Doc Rivers the other day, you could hear his emotion and frustration Mm -hmm. about what's happening here in America and what he wants. And, and it's just pretty much what we're talking about. He just wants some equality. He just wants to, you know, not live in fear. And he's tired of it. Let's take a listen to uh, Doc Rivers, um, courtesy of NBA uh, uh, on TNT. And they're this, this spewing this
1: fear, right? Like, all you hear Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear, we're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that were denied to live in certain communities. Um, we've been hung, we've been shot, and all you do is keep hearing my fear. It's, it's amazing to me why we keep loving this country. And this country does not love us
0: back. Powerful words from Doc Rivers, why we keep loving this country and this country won't love us back. Uh, Jules, when you hear something like that, how does that make you feel?
1: Uh, You know, my big takeaway from that is he keeps pressing on is the fear, right? And so about the pushing fear and this fear mongering. What is it that they, quote unquote, are scared of here? Is equality? Even playing field? It's, we're not asking, well, let like me say previously, we were not asking for anything that we did not deserve, which is a fair shake across the board, right? At this point now, we're demanding what we deserve and have earned, a fair shake, Equality across the board. I why I guess it's the fear of being unable to compete. I, I I don't understand it. Well, for the life of me, I will not understand it. It's I feel as if we have been a very giving and forgiving people forever, very loving people, uh, welcoming people. Um.
0: And it's just it's tough it's tough you know it's it's, uh, it's tough little we're talking about systematic racism Um, you know, we're, we're talking about why people fled when the, you know, the, the Jim Crow laws and everything else has happened. And, um, what's happening today with the NBA is going to be really, really interesting. Like you said, we've never seen anything like this. In fact, um, the last time that we saw anything like this was, what was it? Um. I have it here. Let me just, just pull this up. It was um, NBA players once boycotted a game, an exhibition game, in 1961 when Bill Russell and a handful of other Celtics sat out in protest of racial injustice. That is the only time that the NBA has not played a game because of anything like this. That's 1961. We're in 2020. We're talking about almost 50 years jewels and and there's been great years
1: 50, (laughs) 50 okay first the fact that we're still having to deal with this 50 years later says one thing two uh again i applaud these men and women across these leagues and individual sports for taking a stand well this is going to have I believe some far-reaching implications, man. This is
0: well, get into it. Come, tell me what, mo- what do you think
1: this, here? This is not a moment, man. This is this is a movement and this is this is a labor movement. This will be an organized labor movement. Well, once you you know the deal, right? You affect the money, you have people's attention, things change, right, now. Correct. This it, this isn't this is going to be the springboard not just for uh for racial injustice and police reform and things of that nature hear me out here college football yes college basketball they now have an example of what can and will happen if you take a stand Yes, you haven't seen it in a league before right it's always been in the abstract like oh we strike. We do this. Teachers, but we're not teachers. You've seen what you aspire to be—a professional
0: athlete—across
1: yep. all walks and leagues. The WNBA has been carrying the weight for a while here. Correct. Um, we've been seeing—we've uh, seen some baseball teams uh, decide not to play. Uh, some have already rescheduled to play double-headed tomorrow. I'm not sure if they're really committed to this movement or they just wanted to be part of the moment, not the movement. Um, mm. Because, look, there's copycats. We know that. There's some who are just in it for the optics, whatever. This is going to springboard a movement. Think of all the advertising dollars that were lost today in the NBA and WNBA. Yeah. Think about that. Now you have teams tomorrow. Do you think, in my opinion, do you think now teams are going to come back tomorrow and play?
0: Uh, no, I, I don't. I, in fact, there there is going to be apparently an emergency meeting tomorrow morning to discuss the the future. I don't know what that means, right? They discuss the future of what's going to happen here in the NBA, and I'm not sure. And, and that's what we we're, we're going to find out in the next day or so. What are the demands? You know. Is it bringing up charges? Is it, you know, changing attorney generals? Is, 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 is it finally saying the reforms? Because, you know, listen, we've had the protests going on and it kind of it still goes back to and I'm talking, you know, let, let me talk about here in Seattle. Right. The police chief has stepped down. They have uh, defunded the police a little bit. Um, but to me, I don't think that works because when you defund the police, you're taking the police out of the neighborhoods that need them the most. <laughs> because the 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 wealthy neighborhoods are, are they're not losing their cops.
1: No, no. Okay, hold on. Well, let me let me disagree with you right okay, now. Go ahead. L- look at the wealthy neighborhoods. Go ahead. That's that's what defunded police. Uh, that's what defunded police look like. They're already doing it in wealthy neighborhoods. They have all these other systems in place already. They have the access to education. They have outreach programs for for drug abuse, anything you could think of. they have it there. It's not they're not sending in the cops to deal with, you know, a drug addict or whatever. That drug addict gets treatment. Defund, it's not a radical idea. It's done all over the country. Just look at the suburbs. It's already done there. So let's get past this idea that, you know, cops for the most part prevent crimes from happening. No, not really. The crimes happen, and then the cops respond to that.
0: Go ahead. (laughs) Right? Yeah, go
1: ahead. And then the cops respond to that. If... Look, if you're, if you were to call nine one one right now and say, "I'm hungry and I don't have a place to live," are the police coming? No. To help you? No. No, Most likely not, right? No. Now, if you call nine one one and say there's a homeless person hanging out on the bench, you know, in front of my house, the cops are going to come. And what are they going to do? They're going to get this person. Up and move, right? They're the cops for the most part. The, the system protects property, does not protect people.
0: Yeah, I, I, the only thing is that they're not even doing that here in Seattle. Um, there's been a lot of things going on here. the The homeless population has been going up. It, it's it's really interesting the last couple of years, uh, what's been happening here, and obviously. Um, they're not getting, <laughs> we're not getting resolutions in the areas of need.
1: Well, you're not until you take money that's been allocated to these police departments. Look, you know, police departments in big cities like New York, LA, Hampshire, Seattle, Chicago, take up damn near 50% of the city's entire budget will. Yeah, okay. 50%. So you take I mean, in New York City, I believe the number is something like $6 billion a year for policing, right? Only 2% of these calls that police get for 911 are for actual crimes. Now, imagine you take that money and redirect it towards homeless, you know, mental health, just anything else. And you start, you get, you have departments there that are specialized to deal with, With these things, people have the tools to deal with these specific issues. So if someone's, you know, had an overdose or someone's having a, a, a mental episode, a cop comes, what are the cop's tools? Gun, handcuffs, tasers. Those aren't the tools for
0: that job, bro. You're lucky if you get a taser. You're lucky if you get a taser. So, so what, do you, what do you think the NBA is, is going to want out of this then? If you just had to guess, and that's really the position that I'm putting you in right now. If they're boycotting the games, right, you know, as, as of now, they've been postponed where are you going to have a result that the players are going to feel comfortable enough to go back and play, or is it, or is this just a beginning that they're eventually going to leave and we're not going to have um, the season continue?
1: Well, look, there apparently is talk about that. Uh, if you happen to follow uh, Chris Mannix, I believe he's a reporter for Sports Illustrated, uh, a tweet that... He sent out about an hour ago saying players spoke saying players spoke passionately about voting and police reform per sources. There's a sense from some that if owners don't come up with something that makes them believe staying will help move these important issues forward. The season is done. So there's a real feeling here that players just like F this. I'm out of (laughs) here. Look what part of this whole bubble experiment and experience was this a lot of this was you know built around reform and there was a plan in place to have weekly meetings about how players in the league can help you know create some sort of change right and they we're going to use this platform now with games being played from noon you know starting from like one to midnight when this all started and practices and everything that's all kind of gone by the wayside that take that along with players just feeling trapped in the bubble, some feeling they need to check out, and other mental health issues. Once this hit, forget it. I, I think there's a, gr- a huge contingent of players who are thinking, "Look, this wasn't worth it. Being isolated from my family, I can't protect my family. Nothing is changing while we're here." Um. I would think that if there is not a plan or action that would affect change damn near immediately, which would mean these owners and very powerful people throwing their weight around puts elected officials, we, we might be out of here.
0: And, that's, and that is the point of for anybody that doesn't understand why the players are doing it. Right, because it causes attention, but more importantly, it takes money away from these owners, and these owners have the power. To talk with certain individuals, they could get in the room to have certain exactly. conversations. So anyone that's just blindsided and just says, "What? Well, how does that fix anything?" By these players not playing tonight, because you know, I had the I had the over on the Lakers uh, Portland game, and I want to see these guys play, and I want to be entertained, and that's really what it's all about.
1: Is, oh yeah, is I...
0: hitting the pockets like you mentioned earlier
1: uh, uh, across the board this and look if the the owners if they if we thought that they would band together to do what's right without being pressed by players you're sadly mistaken right because if owners or heads of universities if they cared about players if they cared about anything other than their pockets and their teams they would have thrown their weight around months ago to get like a national mask mandate so that their sports can come back and play now. So we could have college football, you know, in the South right now and it'd be somewhat safe. Right. But no, they chose not to, they didn't throw any of that weight around then. Now look, it's coming back to bite them in the ass, right? Yes. Here. wouldn't, I don't think you would have expected any of the owners to, to take a stand here, but the players are, realizing they have the leverage because there is no league without them.
0: Especially I, ex- especially the NBA. Ex-
1: and especially the NBA where contracts are guaranteed. Um, football, I, we, we know those contracts in football are crazy, but I think they look at this and say, well, look, we realize we have the leverage. We have the power to exact change. And... Uh, and if not, this is how we're going to affect the money. And when you affect the money, you affect change. Bottom line, they don't care. Look, I'm not expecting uh, politicians Wisconsin or wherever to necessarily care about a man's life. It would be nice if they did. I'm not expecting that. They care about that green, though, Yeah. and how it affects them. And that's... That's the spending power, buying power. That's where it all lies, right there. Um, so, yeah, you know, good to, with that. Good luck. Anybody who wants to see basketball. Good
0: luck. Let, let's uh, give some kudos to the WNBA. You you made a reference Absolutely. to them earlier. Um, they've been doing this for a long time. Where there's a you know equality, a sexual orientation equality. They they put things on a platform. Uh, I've been very curious um, in the past, saying I'm really surprised that the NBA and the NBA players haven't gotten behind them. I was really surprised when uh, the WNBA players just weren't making that much money and they had to go overseas in order to make a a decent amount of money um, because the WNBA didn't give them great contracts. So it's very interesting to see now the WNBA come and support the NBA. I wonder if we're going to see more of that in the future, vice versa, because the WNBA has been out there. Banging on drums, trying to get equal pay, uh, bringing uh, social justice and um, and sexuality and, and everything else to bring it to a light and, and standing strong. You know, uh, they've been doing it the right way.
1: Well, let's just start with the fact that women are just the dominant species. They're smarter than us.
0: They're yeah. <laughs> always ahead of the curve. I'm curb. not going to argue. We follow, you know. If we we're, were, follow. We're, we're both married and married for a long time for a reason because uh, we're smart enough to know to say, "Hey, <laughs> the women do it better." So, oh, a-
1: a- absolutely, <laughs> without question. So, um, I think in this case, this is some degree. I think this is in some ways, NBA taking uh, the cues from the WNBA. Sure, okay. Look, does I understand Wisconsin? Uh, you know, they just because this wasn't, was, this happened in Milwaukee. You know, the Bucs just said, F it, we're not playing. I get that. It's close to home. It makes a statement here. But the WNBA uh, and just women's sports in general have been fighting the fight in public, in private, forever. Who would, to whoever would listen. And, um, you know, they need to be respected. And, applauded and they also need to be compensated, (laughs) you know, accordingly. They need to be compensated accordingly because not for nothing. Look, I, when it comes to WNBA, they're putting a lot more on the line here, right? This is their season. This isn't just the playoffs. This is their season. They're not making as much as the men are. No, by any means. So the women, this really would hit them in the pockets. Um, it's not just them. You know, soccer, women's soccer, uh, women's tennis. Yeah, they're just
0: better than us. Well,
1: they're better than us. Of yeah, course, they, I'm, they, they, not, they I'm not. Better. I'm not.
0: I'm not going to argue. And listen, I want I, you know real quick. You know, um, you know. Congratulations or not congratulations, but thank you. I guess I'm going to say thank you to the New York Liberty owners, um, which is, by the way, it's not James Dolan. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. They, I, in fact, if, if they want to go and buy the Knicks, uh, please, uh, please go on ahead and, and put your bid in. Um, they did a great job. Uh, Joseph Sy uh, and his wife, um, uh, Clara, right? I think his wife's name is Clara. They donated, and this was before everything happened, okay? So I want to be clear about this. This was not a, a cause and effect because of what happened in Wisconsin. They donated $50 million to the Black Lives uh, Initiative. And so they can have reform. And if you get a chance, go on the website and see where all of that money, they have a great breakdown where all of that money is going to go to and uh, and help with the whole Black Lives Matters initiative. So kudos to them that they are ahead of the game and they're just out there trying to support and and they just get it. They just understand and they see that something's wrong here and they're trying to fix it and they're throwing their money around. You know, this wasn't a $10,000 donation. You know, I'm, I'm th- you know, $50 million is going to go a nice long way towards something positive And hopefully more people and owners will take a look at that and follow suit.
1: I would hope so. First of all, you're right. I, I applaud them. I will look this up. Um, look, and also, look, recent show. It's like, listen, it'll also be good for your bottom line when you get down to it. Right. Correct. It'll also yep. be good for your bottom line. Yes, it, it, it's appreciated. It's needed, and this is not to take away from anything that they're doing whatsoever. But look, an equal playing board, people of color in boardrooms, people in color in places where they can affect decision, it just shows up time and time again at the bottom line that companies who have this type of structure, uh, uh, what I think is a fair and equitable structure, they do better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, listen. There's there's good. Hey, listen out there, guys. There's very good reason for us to be in the room. All right. This, this isn't. We're not asking for a handout here. This isn't. You know. Please. Oh, please, please, please. No. Listen. We can. We we can contribute. We already do contribute. And hey, we work together. We'll all be rich.
0: You know, and and we have some firsthand experience, you know, we've been in quite a few rooms and we've been in some rooms together where we've looked around and um, we're we're pretty much the only ones of of color, (laughs) to say the the least, uh, in the room and... Um, we've been in rooms where uh, we're saying, I don't understand how this person has a job and and how they're telling me what to do and everything else. But um, we can understand the the color tint of the room and and how that works. Um, So back to your point is, uh, we need more of us in more rooms so things can kind of work better together.
1: Absolutely. And... Look to help you to keep help keeping you to make some terrible decisions. you ever wonder how certain things get greenlit? Will go ahead. How, we're in media. you, ever yep. want, you know, yep. for something to hit the air, yep, it has to go through approval after approval, you know, five, yep. six, seven different people have to sign off on something before it hits the air.
0: Yep. And, P, and, and, and half the time or more, more than that is uh, people that don't even understand what you're doing. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> but, and, and then with that being said, so you wonder how something offensive would make it to air to anybody yep. because there's just not enough representation in the room, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a black man or woman or Latino man or woman, but you, you need different voices. Our Asian brothers and sisters aren't represented nearly the way they need to be. Yeah, um, it's across Native Americans, they've they've
0: they've been they're, been in the, they're shit, still they're in the struggle. Shit, yeah, it, worse still, than anybody. Yes, right.
1: Yeah, worse than anybody. Okay. It's, so, look, representation and inclusion works for everyone.
0: Yep. And right? it benefits everyone. And, and a good example of that was the the first statement that, or the first couple of statements that James Dolan released uh, when it came to the Black Lives Matter, uh, how he uh, really butchered that. And uh, someone uh, in the room that really understood what was going on would have been able to say, hey, this ain't the statement to do it. So, um, that, that's just another example of uh, having the right people in the room to talk about certain topics and really understanding um, what the movement is. Um, well,
1: that that one, b- I'm sorry, that that one really baffles
0: me because didn't that happen after they hired Steve Stout? Uh, yeah, but who knows? I, I listen, <laughs> listen, listen. We both worked for Dolan, and we know that we know that when he wants to do something. So I don't know if it went through anybody or he just said, "Hey." put this out like that that's the that's the big thing and and that would have to be a conversation with with people higher up because it makes no sense about some of the statements that came out um unless he said that this is what i'm putting out i don't care what anybody tells me this is what i'm doing and and we know that he operates like that also yeah i can see that happening yeah so listen before we wrap it up um you know, we're, we're talking about the bubble. We, we've, we've heard from uh, Pascal Siakam and, uh, and Tatum and other players saying, you know what, um, this might not have been the right thing to do. Maybe us coming here wasn't the right thing to do. And you're hearing those rumblings. Um, it, it was only about two months ago when <laughs> Kyrie Irving said, we shouldn't be doing this. This is not the right thing to do. And Dwight Howard agreed with him, and they pretty much got ridiculed. I mean, you know, Ed Davis... You know, uh, was talking about, you know, well, you financially don't have to worry about that, but there's guys there that need their money. Matt Barnes was saying, oh, because you're not able to play, that uh, that's why you're having statements. You had a lot of individuals saying, hey, Kyrie, uh, listen, we don't want to hear from you. That doesn't make any sense. We're trying to get back to some, some normality. We're trying to get some paychecks is what we're going to do. Uh, how How is that looked upon now? <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm looking for the apology form online right now.
0: If you get that um, last, send that to me because I have not come across it yet.
1: I absolutely will. Look, everybody <laughs> was, everyone, they were lined up, right? To the point where, name them, Stephen A. Smith was another one. Correct. About how, you know, thinking Dwight Howard and Kyrie Irving were foolish to even suggest players, you know, not participate in, in the bubble, right? But look turn around right now and you know, Stephen A. Smith's his his views have been adjusted.
0: (laughs) I I like that word.
1: (laughs) His views have been adjusted. Listen, Kyrie may very well be understood. Kyrie, I never met Kyrie. He may very well be all these things that people are saying about them. But guess what? Kyrie seemingly was right here and um, it's unfortunate that he had to be proven right right
0: uh, it un- sucks. Un- unfortunately it sucks. but maybe it's the voice maybe the voices will be louder now instead of having doubt right because there was a lot of doubt and sometimes you got to take a step back in order for everyone to take a step forward I met Kyrie a few times when he played at St Patrick's in New Jersey right as coming up and you can tell he was an all-star as a freshman. <laughs> And he played with uh, uh, Gilchrist on that team. And, um, I mean, just fantastic team, fantastic players. He came in. Uh, we covered a couple of his games. And then he came uh, to the Cablevision Studios in Syosset uh, a couple of times. We did a segment with him. In fact, I'm going to give a shout-out to David Seppa because we tease him to this day. Um, Kyrie was hungry. They had brought him over. And he wanted a McDouble and some fries and a shake. And David got that task to go to mcdonald's <laughs> to get him a mcdouble <laughs> fries and shake. so we busted dave david is an incredible producer a, a super he talented guy is. he's one of the nicest guys i text him all the time not all the time but we we text off and on um and he's just he's just a great great dude a, a down-to-earth brother and we always tease him yeah, go ahead. Did he get, did he get the order right? Oh, he did, man. He did. <laughs> he did, but it was funny because David I I believe David was in one of the edit rooms getting ready for the segment uh for the show and um, he got the task. Luckily, I wasn't around because who knows? I probably would've got tasked for it, for it or whoever was next to him. But I guess David was the first one that they saw and they were like, "Hey David, man, uh go get Kyrie McDouble." And a, and a shake and some fries, so uh, I, I'll never forget it. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be uh, 90 years old telling that story and teasing David Seppa. But going back to to Kyrie, you know, you know, Kyrie comes off as really quirky. But if you talk to him, you sit down with him, he's he's highly intelligent. And, at, and even going back to when he was in high school, and now years have gone by, and and life has he has even more um, experience with life. You can tell this is a smart kid. He knew what he was doing. He was working hard. You know, he comes from a poor family. You know, he comes from his uncle raising him. He gets it. He knows what that struggle is. This is not a kid that was well-to-do. You know, he had issues with his dad. You know, there were a lot of stories. This is a, this is a kid from the hood. You know, that is ultra talented. And obviously, you know, we we know his story, you know, winning championship in high school and going off to Duke and then being the first pick in the NBA. So when he talks about this, this is not some well-to-do kid. He gets it. And the people should have listened and not laughed at him. And I know we make fun of him because we all got jokes and we talk about the earth is flat and everything else. And he comes off quirky. And, you know, you can argue whether he's a good teammate or not. That's not, that's not for us to say because we, we're not in the locker room with him. But when it comes to social matters and understanding the struggles – I mean, I think more people should have listened to him and not dismissed him, and I'm hoping that he eventually gets that platform and eventually there's some mere culpas going, going by and people say, hey, yo, you know, maybe you were on to something, my bad.
1: No voice should go unheard, right? Correct. No, there's no voice should go unheard and all this. All voices, anybody with input is valuable. Look, Kyrie wasn't just, look, Kyrie is also, you know, uh, willing and financially supporting WNBA players who opted out of the season, right? Who wouldn't go to the wobble, right? Yep. So he put up some of his own money. I think he put up you know 1.5 or $2 million of his own money yeah, to help supplement what other players may not be getting. And I'm sure other people have joined in also. You know, Look, WNBA players only make 200,000, right? That's maybe the average salary or the top salary.
0: Top, yeah, probably in top. The WNBA. Without having the numbers in front of us, yeah.
1: So listen, he's um, when it's all said and done, we're gonna look back at Kyrie, despite the quirkiness. And it's more, I think we'll look at him like, hey, Kyrie was, you know, his heart is in the right place, uh, has always been, and you know, he maybe he's maybe he's the leader that we need. <laughs> it's like a it's maybe- like
0: a, a Batman intro. <laughs> Kyrie. Kyrie view Jules the
1: leader that we need.
0: We'll touch base man, we're going to get a lot more information in the next coming days. Uh let let's let's get you back on and let's uh, talk some more basketball and you know and uh if, uh if we do have a basketball season uh to continue, um we'll have a lot of things to talk about. Eventually, you know, we should at least talk about our pathetic Knicks and um you know where they go and you know what Your happens with the 70 Oh man, come <laughs> on. No.
1: I had no choice but to disown them after they treated Spicey like shit
0: well good for you good for you I guess if I was closer to home maybe it would have hurt me more but um, I don't know it's just uh, it, you know when you see those wars of the orange and blue and everything that the Ewings the Masons the Oakleys you know, and uh, and everything that they've gone through and, and all those heartbreaks, it, it's hard to let go. You know, I almost feel like a Met fan. I'm a Yankee fan, you know? So I guess that's what a Met fan or a Jet fan feels like. It's just you suffer with them so much that it's just hard to let them go. So th- those are my issues. I'm going to go talk to someone about that as soon as we're done with the show and, uh, and, and get some therapy there. But uh, we have a lot to talk about, and uh, and we will. But um, first and foremost, let's see where this goes. Um where there's going to be a decision made tomorrow, maybe not a decision, but at least a conversation uh, being had uh, throughout the league, not just the players tomorrow. So we're going to get a lot more information. and um, you know, for everyone that's out there you know that is is quiet, um, that doesn't talk about this, especially if they feel strongly about making a stand, and you're concerned that your friends don't have those same thoughts you know that you're going to be looked upon a certain way because you're standing up whether it's for Black Lives Matters or, or whatever whatever the the struggle is for someone that that ha- needs a voice remember right Martin Luther King said in the end we will remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends so don't be silent don't be afraid to speak up because that's how change is going to come about
1: nothing more needs to be said brother
0: Jules, you take care of yourself. All right, you man. Take it's, care of
1: yourself. It's great to talk Thank to you. Thank you. Great speaking with you. We'll no. do it again, brother. All right. Bye. Bye.